Hello and welcome back to the Marathon Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Antonio McNeil. Let's get started. For today's episode, we're going to discuss the sacrifices of being an entrepreneur. And the question we have is, what are you willing to sacrifice? Now, in last week's episode, I discussed the benefits of having a part-time job as a new entrepreneur. That way, having money coming in to help fund your business and take it to the next level as an entrepreneur. It's simple as that. Having that extra source of income, if you can find a way to make it work through your schedule, to also still have time to focus on your business, you will be thankful that you have that money coming in so you could take it to the next level being an entrepreneur. It happens a lot quicker. Now, let's go deeper into that. You made a sacrifice with getting that part-time job because you know that it's a necessary temporary. While you know it's not permanent, you don't want the job, you know you need it for a short period of time, right? But let's get deeper into sacrificing within that job, the money that you get from that part-time job. Some of that money will go to fuel your business and the rest of the money you're probably thinking, let's just spend it on, you know, shopping spree, movies, restaurants, whatever. But I'll tell you this, you and I both know if you're an entrepreneur, you can't just waste the majority of your check. Even if you're putting a hundred dollars away monthly to go towards your real estate career, to pay for marketing, you know, flyers or food for your open houses, a hundred dollars is not enough to go into your business. You're still eating that money to go into your business. So some of that check still has to be going towards a savings, especially if you're trying to leave the part-time job that's a necessary temporary, right? You don't want it to be permanent, so you have to find a way out of that part-time job and get into a situation where you're a full-time entrepreneur. The only way you can really do that, at least the way I did it, and I'm going to explain today, is by saving some of my money on each check that I got, also paying money every week for my real estate business and still having money left over to pay my bills. That way I was able to have a savings within a year where I was saving half of my money from in and out half of my money from real estate checks. I was able to save $20,000 and I was able to do it within six months when I started saving. So within six months of saving, I was able to save $20,000 by saving my money from in and out checks and my real estate checks that I got for the year of 2017. Ain't that some stuff? And we're gonna talk about how I was able to do that so quickly. And we're gonna even talk about the mistakes I made in the beginning of 2017, because best believe I wasn't all the way there when I was in my 20s. You know, when I was 21, yeah, I had my job at In-N-Out. I was, you know, a year in already, but I still wasn't like saving my money. I had money every week to pay for my career and build up my open house, you know, rapport, and do all that, but I wasn't really saving money after that. I was going to, you know, doing a bunch with it. So, you know, I didn't start saving until July of 2017. This is where we're going to talk about how once I started saving though, that's when things started changing for me. I was able to start saving 30% of each check that I got from in and out. And let's be real. I say a part-time job like as if it was part-time hours, but you and I both know as entrepreneur, if you are trying to get money to fill your business up, you most likely need to work full-time hours. You just have to find a way around the daytime so you don't take up your day working at the part-time job. I'm not looking at it as full-time, but at in and out I was averaging 40 hours a week when I started and when I left. So when I started at In-N-Out, I was having $12 almost an hour. Um, and then I had at the end, $15 an hour. So within a year and a half, I had made a $3 raise. So I was definitely a great worker. I was doing what I needed to do, um, but I was also doing things to save money 
after I started realizing that there was a way to leave in and out and become a full-time real estate agent. Closed about four deals 2017 in the first quarter. You know, I, I was doing okay, but I didn't have enough money to just leave in and out. So I started saving my in and out checks and then my real estate checks for the rest of 2017. And with saving 10% off of four real estate checks each and saving 30% on all of my in and out checks, I was able to save up $20,000 within a year and leave in and out to become a full-time agent. Ain't that some stuff? And that's what I want to discuss about why having certain sacrifices are crucial for you as an entrepreneur and how they can really help you take it to the next level, especially if you're not trying to be at the job forever, the part-time job that you got to help you become a full-time entrepreneur. You have to have that game plan to get out. So let's discuss that more further. Now, in and out, within six months, I was getting raises. So within the year, I was up to $15 an hour. So let's just do $15 an hour and let's multiply it with 40 hours a week, which is what I was averaging. Um, because let's just be real, as a part-time job, you know, it's never a part-time job, but it sounds like it. So $15 an hour times 40 hours a week, you get $600 for each check that you get, right? I was getting paid, however, bi-weekly. So I wasn't getting paid every week. I was getting paid twice a month, which was great because each check I was getting $1,200, which was great. I was able to save more money off of each check and put it into a savings account. And with my in and out checks, I was saving 30% on each check that I got. So let's do those numbers. $1,200 for each check I received, 30% of $1,200, $360. So that $360 times two is $720. So I was able to save $720 each month from in and out alone. Multiply that by 12, you see what I'm saying? I didn't make $9,000 in savings, but I actually was able to save a little under $8,000 of just in and out checks alone because of this method of saving 30% of my $1,200 biweekly checks. $720 total a month times 12, you get this estimated number, but I made $8,000. It's off about, you know, a thousand bucks, but $8,000 in savings from in and out that's crazy. And that's why I said in my last week's episode about having a part-time job, there's no shame in the game. I mean, if you have a good part-time job like in and out where they're paying you good enough, where you could save 30% of your check, as long as you know how to pay the rest of your money towards bills, you'll be fine. I mean, have that part-time job, enjoy it because there's not a lot of great part-time jobs like In-N-Out and I can't speak for other companies, but I know for In-N-Out because I was able to get the pay that I got because I worked for it and I earned it, I was able to utilize it and really leave quicker than I thought. I thought that I had to stay at In-N-Out for a full two years. I only stayed for like a year and some change, a year and like eight months, but you know, almost two years, but you get the point. I was able to leave sooner than I thought because I was able to save almost a full year and make $8,000 in savings just off of In-N-Out alone. I'm just talking about In-N-Out. I'm not talking about the real estate commissions that I'm also saving from because I was also still selling real estate deals while I was working at In-N-Out for all of 2017. My first couple of three, four deals in 2017, I didn't save any of the money. I know that was my biggest mistake right there. So around July, once I started closing more deals, one deal, two deals, three deals, I had four real estate deals 
from July to the end of December of that year. And within those four deals, I saved 10% on each deal. Now, some of the checks were different. I had one check at $8,000, 10% of that was $800 for the month. And then there was one month where I closed two deals. One check was 6,000 times 10% is $600. And then the other check for that same month was $7,500, 750 plus $600, I was able to save $1,350 one month. So the real estate savings actually was way more profitable and I was only saving 10% off of each check and I made way more money. You following me? Because remember, this is now in and out checks. I'm talking about real estate commissions. Each commission I got was different. Some checks were higher, uh, 10,000 I was getting and then 10% of it goes towards a savings. Realizing quick that if you save a little bit from 10% here, 30% from in and out, you're going to be able to leave in no time. And I was able to. I wasn't really focusing on buying the best car or getting the new shoes. And I wasn't focusing on material items. And you know, let's be real, when we're in our 20s, especially after high school, we're still kind of into the idea of looking our best and living in the moment. And you know, the moment's great, but you know, you also got to live for the future a little bit. I ain't going to lie because at the time, most of my friends, I don't think were saving 30% of their check you know, my coworkers at In-N-Out. I mean, maybe a couple of them were, but do you see what I'm saying? I was in the rare, you know, minority of saving my checks from In-N-Out and then also saving my real estate checks on top of that. That money combined was allowing me to save so much money where I was able to leave my job. And that's where the $20,000 in savings comes from. 8,000 comes from In-N-Out and then the other part of that 20,000 comes from real estate, about 10,000 in savings. All I had to do was close four real estate deals. And then all I had to do was just save 30% on average a month on each of my checks that I got from in and out. That's really not that hard when you think about it. And let's just be real. I didn't have this all planned out. Like I wasn't like this amazing saver when I first started in and out because I started saving like almost a year in to working. I started realizing that I wasn't saving my money and how bad that was for me. Yeah, I was still spending money on my real estate career every week, every month, but that's burning a you know hole in my pocket. So for example, like the first part of 2017, like the first part of 2017, I have made so many mistakes. Like I said, I wasn't saving yet. I didn't start saving and doing this 30% plan with in and out my 10% plan with real estate checks. I wasn't doing that until July of 2017. So the first part of that year, I was still kind of in the beginning stages of learning how to save. And there was so many mistakes that I made, which kind of forced me to make changes in myself because I was not trying to stay in and out forever. The first part of 2017, I, oof, if I could turn it back, but I can't. And I'm here to talk about it now so you don't make the same mistakes. Another crucial mistake I was making on top of, you know, not saving my money was not being consistent with real estate. So going back into, you know, being consistent and being focused, you know, when you don't have money saved, it's hard to focus and be consistent with real estate. So the first part of 2017, I'm over here thinking, oh, you know, this is so hard. Real estate, you know, we're doing open houses every week and I have no money left over. Well, you don't have money left over because you don't realize you're just wasting a lot of extra money. <laughs> you know, we just throw money away on Starbucks or, you know, taco shop or whatever. So randomly, we don't realize a lot of money's being depleted. I wasn't able to be consistent with real estate for the first part of 2017 because I didn't have any money left over after paying bills and then, you know, just putting money into real estate. You know, I wasn't really prepared to save $300. 
That $300 that I was not saving was going towards West Hollywood trips. I was driving from North County, San Diego to go all the way to West Hollywood to get two drinks that cost $50 at Mickey's. Like, are you serious? <laughs> I was a mess, okay? I was a mess back then because I wasn't really understanding that if I saved money every check, I would be able to slowly not have to penny pocket myself as I was saving more and more and more and more. Because the more you start saving, you can start kind of easing up on, you know, saving a lot of money on the initial part of saving, right? Because after like six, seven months, you don't have to put 30%, 10%. But at the time, I wasn't trying to save anything. You know, I had a job. I was able to drive up to West Hollywood, like I said, Palm Springs, and be a crazy 21-year-old and now have no money to show for it. You know, it was it was like, okay, kind of crazy. Another mistake that I was making in the first part of 2017 was hanging out with the wrong group of friends. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about friends that you've known for a long time, like day one friends, um, or even new friends that you met in a not so good situation, you know? If you have friends that you are around that obviously don't have the same mindset as you as being an entrepreneur, or they don't get that your hours and time is very limited and that you have to focus on your business most of the time, you're gonna start seeing that having a certain group of friends can really kill your energy, your vibe, your mood, and it can really destroy your career that you're trying to get or your business that you're trying to build up um, being an entrepreneur. Hanging out with the wrong group of friends, it, it could make or break you. And I know it sounds like over dramatic, and you know I am. I, I like to be dramatic. I'm an actor. No, I'm spoiled. At the same time, I I'm being very serious. Like when I started realizing the friends that I had in West Hollywood were not the right friends for me, and I started detaching myself from West Hollywood and Palm Springs and the group of friends I was making and why they liked me because I was paying for all their drinks and that's why I wasn't saving money. Oh girl, I'm telling you, I was I was a mess, trust me. I, I wasn't perfect all the time. <laughs> it could have made or break me because I was not saving any of that money. I was broke like a joke. My next question to you is, are you willing to sacrifice those friendships? And I wanna go over the reasons why you should should. And I kind of been going over them, but let's go more into detail because I really want you to um, get the best advice. And I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to take you away from your friends. No, 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 it's not that. It's just some of your friends really aren't your friends. You know, it's just, it's just the reality. And we have to figure out who your real friends are. And if that means that you have to detach yourself from the whole group to find new friends, we're going to tell you today why that's beneficial because it was beneficial for me and I want to give you the same advice so that way you can get to the next level of being an entrepreneur quicker. You'll get there quicker by being with the right group of friends and detaching from the wrong group of friends. The biggest reason why you should end friendships is if your friends don't respect your boundaries. And when I'm saying boundaries, I'm not just talking about like personal space, like don't touch me. No, I'm talking more in everything. If they don't respect your schedule, like when you have to be focused on your real estate work, when you have to show properties and they keep hitting you up, blowing up your phone, texting you, uh, being a bugaboo, you know what I'm saying? And they just don't respect that you have like a business to run. If they don't respect that boundary, automatically you gotta let them go. And I know that's harsh, but even for me, like there were certain friends that I had, you know, when I was 19, 20, even friends I was making at In-N-Out and all they wanted to do was smoke some good stuff after work. And it's like, yo, like I never had time for that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have time to smoke weed every time after work. That was never gonna help me get ahead in life, right? And you gotta start thinking about that. If your friends, even if it's just a, a smoke here or there or a drink here or there, you know, if it's a weekly thing, that's that's too much. Even if it's a monthly thing, it's too much. 
you know this as an entrepreneur, you know, being consistent is the key to getting ahead. And you have to have at least one full year of consistency in your business, being an entrepreneur, to really see results. Having those friends around you, it makes it a lot harder to get there quicker. And even like I said, for me, I barely hung out with my toxic group of friends in West Hollywood, but even that was enough. And the sad thing is that some of those people were not toxic. You know, I had really good friends within that group, but they didn't want to leave certain people behind. And if they don't, then you got to walk. You just got to walk away. You know what I'm saying? To the left, to the left. Another reason why you should end friendship groups, and this is very important, is if you don't share the same ideas, the basic principles of life, you know? And I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about spiritual stuff, politics. That's not really, you know, I don't care. I have so many friends who are the opposite political beliefs as me. And I say opposite, like as if I have a side, I'm on a spectrum. <laughs> like I'm not on, e it, you know, it is what it is, right? If you have friends who don't have a structure in their own life, like they don't have anything like structure besides their job nine to five and after it everything is chaotic where they're sleeping all day one day and then the next day they're all out till three in the morning and then you don't hear from them from two days because they're throwing up on the toilet like if you have friends like that and they keep trying to get you to go do those types of things you're not you're not really on the same like wave you know what i'm saying and if they look at you like in confusion, like you are trying to like better yourself and you're reading self-improvement books, affirmation books, and they look at you like, like it's foreign language, well, you know, it's not their fault. No reason to shade them. If they want to live a, a party life, let them live that life. But you'll live that life later when you have yachts of your own and you have houses and cars. Right now, you have to find friends that can share those similar ideas with you. Self-affirmation, uh, positive quotes, and, um, you know, going to seminars that talk about how to better yourself as a real estate agent, you know, all of those things. That's where you need to be focusing your time on. And finding friends that have those similar ideas and principles of being an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. You know, I have so many friends that I still love dearly. And I'll tell you, I haven't talked to them in a very long time. And the only reason why is because when I have seen them, you know, you know, after I've been an agent for two, three years and I, you know, reconnect, it's like the same conversation from high school. And I know that that sounds very harsh, but you know, I'm not the same person from high school. I mean, I wasn't the same person like four years after high school. I mean, shit, I'm eight years de detached from high school, almost nine years. I, if we have the same type of conversations like we did in high school, I can't, I, we, there's nothing I can do to keep our friendship going at this point. But if you ever have like the entrepreneurship spirit in you, and if you have your like-minded, you know, ideas like mine, they don't have to be exactly like mine. But when you get to that point, then obviously we can rekindle a friendship. I don't want to talk about things that I went through in high school, you know, and that's the thing is like a lot of your friends, especially your closest friends that you've known for years, a lot of them, if they haven't made that next step in being structured, organized, you know, even in their life, and they are still kind of struggling to get out of that high school mentality, I like to say, it's going to be hard for you to keep that friendship, you know, really loyal unless you're willing to sacrifice, you know, the time that is needed to build up your career. You can't have it both. It's like your friend is like the sugar cookie. You like you you love the sugar. You, you want to have that cookie. Anyways, but you know what I'm saying and you look at your business like a broccoli, like it's a plant, it, it, it's nasty, you know, but there's a lot of nutrients in that plant. And if you get more broccoli, there's just more nutrients that help you grow and build your business. So you gotta stay with the broccoli, you gotta stay away from the sugar cookie. Your friends are sugar cookies. If they are not, you know, meeting the same ideas that you have, you know, just on daily life, right? Another important and crucial reason why you should 
depart from certain friends is they drain your energy. If they are draining your energy anytime that you're near them, even if it's a phone call and they drain your energy, you already know you got to walk away. Okay. The thing about energy, and I always say it, energy is key. Energy is key. Okay. And it really is because without having energy in 12 hours a day to like focus on real estate, your part-time job, you have a lot to like do you know, with your life. If you're trying to be an entrepreneur, it's just facts. You don't have time to waste and you don't have energy to waste. And energy is so important that we don't really think about it. Let's be real. How many of us get eight hours of sleep? Okay. Because most of us as entrepreneurs, we're so like focused, awake, trying to find other ways to make more money and to build up our careers, right? If you have friends that are taking you away from not only your sleep, but from your business hours where you should be focusing on your business, I mean, that that's just, that's, that's enough for you to know alone that they are the problem. They are draining your energy. And let's not even put all the blame on your friends. If you know that your friends are in certain situations or they like to be in environments, clubs, party a lot, if you know this about your friends, you're responsible too, girl, guy or girl. I say girl, but you know what I mean? Like you're responsible for like the energy that you hold and you protect. And even I had to start realizing that. Like I love some of my friends and there was a time where I had to realize like even though I love you, I'm just going to have to walk away. And I never said anything. It's kind of shady, right? I'm still here. You can hit me up on Instagram, but there's just, there was a point where you have to just like walk away from it. And I'll never forget like one of my last times in West Hollywood, um, the energy with all of our friends was just so draining. Like, like the night didn't even start. It was supposed to be fun. There was like drinks, like poppers. You know what I mean? Everything was fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm a little wild. So if you, if you watch the podcast, listen, you, you, you I'm, I'm a fun guy. But going back to the topic, you know, there was a time where the energy was just so off before the evening even started. And I literally was done within 30 minutes. I told the person that I was there with, I'm done. I had enough. Um, I had to yell a little bit just to get away from all the toxicity because everybody was like, Ugh. before the night even started, I'm like, yeah, I have to go. I'm done. If you're arguing with your friends on average and anytime you go out more than 50% of the time, you know, there's going to be a problem. A friend looks at you one way or you have a new friend that shows up for the evening and then there's a fight because one's giving the attention to another. Oh my God. It's like, that's too much energy. Me leaving West Hollywood was very helpful for me. I still go back now because it's different. I can go on my own terms. I know who to hang out with. It's not like it's something that I'm missing out on. And that's the biggest thing when we, you know, lose friendships. We think that we're missing out on every party that that friend has what they can offer to our lives, like, you know, that they could benefit our lives and make it better. But if you think about it, if you take like a year, six months even to just detach from old friends who don't have the same ideals as you, you're able to find new friends that you can hang out with that understand that we can go have a drink and, you know, have a quick bite to eat. We can kiki for a minute. You know, we started at 4 p.m. We end at 8 p.m. because I have to get up at 5 a.m. to get my day started. I like friends like that. They respect my time, they respect my boundaries, and you know everything is good, there's no arguments. And if there is, it's a little kiki and we kiss and make up and it's all good. But it doesn't get this dramatic where you have like heavy alcohol in your friend groups and you have like heavy smoking within your friend groups and then somebody gets like moody one night and then wants to start a fight. That's too much, I, I can't do it. If you are just able to take yourself away from those friends just for enough to see how beneficial it can be to have new friends that 
think like you, you're not even going to miss the old friends that you have. You're going to miss the memories you have. Of course, memories are always appreciated. But, you know, sometimes you just have to like leave the nest, you know? You just have to kind of see what else is out there for you, especially with your friend groups. Remember, energy is key. The only way that you can really get ahead quicker, you know, at being an entrepreneur is having the right energy and holding your energy and protecting it at all costs. Get it done. Let's move into real estate because obviously I am the marathon agent. So I want to give you also a perspective on sacrificing when you're buying your first property. You know, I have this conversation a lot with my clients where my clients right now who are looking to buy, a lot of them are trying to buy the biggest home that they can buy, their forever home, their dream home. But I'm telling you, buying your first home and making it your dream home is a big no-no. If you are trying to buy a house and you're already struggling financially to find the right home, you are budgeting yourself before you're even buying a home, you gotta look at the sacrifices of buying something smaller and how beneficial that can be for you in the long run. A lot of times, if you are a young family, let's say parents, you have a kid, you have two kids, let's say four people, you know, and you think you need a three bedroom, two bathroom house for your first home, but you're willing to, you know, spend $500 over your budget. So why would you want to buy something that's so financially straining as your first home? I know that you may think that you need those three bedrooms because you have two kids and, you know, you need that space. But if you're willing to sacrifice your first home, have something that's within budget, there's a way better chance that you're going to be able to buy a second property or sell your first home that you sacrificed on to buy the bigger home that you need just within a couple of years. If you're willing to sacrifice a year of saving in your job for your part-time job, you should be willing to save and sacrifice for your first property for the first year or two. You're going to get that dream home soon, girl, I promise. It may not happen on the first time, but it will happen eventually. It's all about how you get the first property and how you move ahead and strategize to get to the next property. So the question I have for you with sacrificing, do you need a house or do you just need a condo? What are you willing to sacrifice? And I want to go over the benefits of having a condo as your first property and why you should take that route instead of just getting the house that's like $500 over your monthly budget. You're able to get your pre-approval with your lender, your real estate agent, and let's just say you're approved for $600,000. And if you're looking, you're probably able to buy maybe a three-bedroom house, you know, and spend $600, maybe $625. But let's be real. If you can only afford like maybe $3,000 a month, you know, $3,200, you probably have to be way under $600,000. You probably have to be looking at properties that are $500,000, $525,000, which most likely indicates in your area that you would have to buy a condo for your first property. You don't want to overspend and financially be strained on your first property. There's no sense in being house poor. There's just no sense. One of the main benefits of buying your condo first is that you have affordability. In most condo situations, you are on average saving way more money monthly on your mortgage than you would be buying a single family home. Yes, with condos, townhomes, they all have HOAs. Most of them do. HOA is like a separate fee that you pay, but it could be anything for paying for maintenance for your complex, having landscapers pay for the exterior maintenance of your building. It's just basic stuff. Some HOAs cover your water, your gas utilities, but not all of them, right? So the downside, of course, is you do have to pay a separate fee, but if you're buying a property that's $100,000 less in price and you're paying a $200 HOA, you're still going to be saving money on average $100 to $300 a month. 
because your price point is a lot less compared to 600,000. The main benefit there, affordability. And being able to buy your first property and be under budget is a blessing. And a lot of times people at first, they pass on condos and townhomes because they automatically want to go to a single family home. But then when they start to see that they have limited options and that they're already overspending for a fixer upper, they start looking at the condos and townhomes and start to see that they could be like 300, 400, $500 under budget. And that's all by just buying a condo for their first property. If you need the space, but you don't really need the house, you can get a lot of nice three bedrooms in condos and in townhomes that are going to be a lot more affordable. So, you know, trying to get that three bedroom house, you are realistically only able to afford a two bedroom single family home when you could buy a three bedroom townhome or condo and be well in budget. The illusion of having a single family home, it's great to have. Don't get me wrong, but it's not great to have it as your first home if that single family home is going to put you in debt and you go into foreclosure. You will get a single family home eventually, but if the cards line up for you, you to get a condo or townhome, it's a lot more affordable in the beginning. And you're going to thank yourself when you're ready to, let's say, rent out your first condo that you bought. You can use that rental income eventually as income to buy for another property that you will eventually be able to afford that single family home that you wanted. You'll be able to get it within two or three years. Or you could sell that property that you first bought, the condo that you sacrificed space in, and you'll be able to make maybe 50,000 in profit, 100,000 in profit, and now you really can afford that three bedroom, single family home, wherever you wanna buy it at, right? So there's all about a game plan to get to your dream home, and it's definitely not by trying to buy it the first time around. If you have a budget and you're trying to find affordability, that's a big benefit, having a condo. And that way you could save that money to get that single family home eventually. Another benefit is less maintenance. Now, let's just be real. A lot of times when I work with clients, they think they can handle a yard. And a lot of them tell me their biggest regret when buying their first home is the yard maintenance and being responsible for your roof, being responsible for electrical, plumbing, all of it. Everything is your responsibility at this point. There's nothing wrong with having all that responsibility in a single family home, especially, you know, if you earned it. But if you don't have money after you buy your first home, how are you going to keep a budget for repairs with your single family home, right? So this is why having a condo in a townhome is way more effective and beneficial as your first property that you buy. Because when you buy the home and you put that down payment amount, let's say $15,000, $20,000, you have no money left over. And if there's an issue with the roof or there's an issue with the you know, exterior building, the HOA is most likely going to cover that for you. You don't have to worry about that. Now, where you get a single family home, it's a little different. You know, if you know you got a leak in your roof, then that water gonna be drip, 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 drip all night long until you fix it. No Lionel Richie. <laughs> I always advocate for single family homes. I'm not trying to say like, you don't ever want to buy a single family home. Like I have a single family home here, but I'll tell you straight up, like it's expensive. It's a, it's a lot of maintenance. You're always making sure that you have to have money set aside for a plumbing repair. A lot of the homes that you do buy in the States, you know, are older homes.
Sorry, had to talk to my landscaper. That's why you were hearing all that stuff in the background. I'm back to my podcast, welcome. <laughs> you don't have to worry about extra costs. You don't have to worry about breaking your bank. Another benefit that a lot of people don't think about is the amenities that you get with a condo, a townhome. Especially if you are buying a single family home and you notice that most of the single family homes are fixer uppers. Do you really wanna buy a single family home just to buy one? When you move in, it's a fixer and you have to do all this work to it. You're already overspending for a single family home in most cases wouldn't you rather get something that's a hundred thousand dollars on average cheaper and have more amenities to your complex it's newer possibly you get a gym in some of these uh hoas and not every hoa offers a clubhouse a gym but a lot of them do especially if it's a newer complex and you know this is a starter home you always have to think of it that way at least i do when you're buying a home, it should never be your first home as the main last home that you purchase. It should always be looked at as a starter home. Eventually, that starter home that you get, it will help you move on to bigger and better things. So you can really be bougie on you know, a budget, right? Bougie on a budget. There's nothing wrong with that. So again, if you're hearing the noise in the background, you know, I have my landscaper here at my you know house. They got to take care of all the trees. Um, just just to give you an FYI, all of my trees cost me about $6,000 here. So again, single family homes are expensive, <laughs> but I love my home and I love you guys. And I want to thank you so much for listening for today's podcast. Um, I had so much I wanted to talk about. I know I missed a couple of things, but the, the bottom line that I want you to walk away with today, this morning is love yourself enough to know that you matter and that you can go as far as you want to take it. You don't have to give it your 110%, but as long as you give it your all every day and you stay consistent with yourself, with your goals, you will love your life and you will see the transformation a lot quicker than you think. And three months from now, if you start doing what I'm saying today, sacrificing by saving money on your checks, by you know getting your first home and you and and actually getting the right type of property and saving money there too. If you just take those steps three months from now, six months, you're going to see a big difference in your life. And again, as long as you stay consistent and you start finding the right friend groups to be around, being an entrepreneur and taking it to the next level is not going to be that hard. It's going to be the sweetest thing that you uh, go through. You're going to have your ups and downs. It's a roller coaster, but you got to find a way to go through the bumps and make it the smoothest ride that you can possible. It's your world, you live in it. What do you want for it? So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, go be amazing. Take care.